I'm Cameron DeBazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. We're continuing our study this quarter called God's Mission, My Mission. Mm. And uh, this is a fun lesson entitled Excuses to Avoid yeah. Mission. And I was I was shocked, Pastor Howard, that they would include a whole lesson on providing excuses oh. for people to get out of mission work. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think we do pretty well. I, I think we do we can come a up good with job one. coming up with them. I was just thinking uh, uh, God's mission, my mission, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> maybe Sometimes not so much. Anyway, yes, excuses to avoid mission is this week's lesson. And obviously we're not promoting those excuses. We're dealing with them and, and all those kind of things. And you actually put the talking points together for this week. Yes, so I did. I don't want to uh, overstep that. But how about I have a word of prayer and then you can walk us through our lesson. All right, I'll do that. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to study your word, to be alive, and to be part of your mission. Help us now as we study this lesson and we look at those uh, so-called excuses, those uh, reasons we might try to give to get out of working for you. But Lord, help us to see the benefit, the blessing, and the duty we have to be about our Father's business. So bless us as we study. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, I thought about it. I might, in the context of this, I thought, you know, I've taught on uh, mission and excuses to avoid mission yeah. uh, for years in 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 soul winning training, Emmanuel sessions, that kind of thing. And I'm just thinking right now, this is the November four lessons. We've just come through an Emmanuel session and a month of evangelistic meetings by yeah. the time that we do this. But we're yeah. recording this in <laughs> August, so or September. Sorry, we're in September. Yep. Um, but it would be. I was going to say that because I know that our viewers have seen the lads for Emmanuel, so it'd be neat to give a little report, even though it is after the fact when that's done. Yeah. But that's we're talking about mission, and, and so it's interesting. And I think when it, maybe what you were hinting at there is that every time we have an Emmanuel session or public evangelism emphasis or something like that, you don't have to like wonder if excuses are going to... You're going to start <laughs> hearing some of the very things we're studying about in that's this right. lesson. Well, and so it's interesting. Now, this week's lesson has basically taken the story of Jonah. And I mm -hmm. thought, as I said, I've taught mission and excuses for mission. And and so I can certainly see where you're talking about an excuse to get out of mission. Jonah can come to yeah. mind. But the whole to base the whole thing in, in Jonah, I'll bring different things out sure. this week uh, from this week's lesson. But um, that's where they rooted it, except for the memory verse, which is found in Isaiah, Lord, here I am, send me. Okay. Uh, you know, that uh, that is how they conclude the thought, their thought with Thursday's lesson. Another thing that's unique about this week's lesson, so basically my intro is that this week's lesson reviews some of the common excuses people make to avoid being active in mission. And if I'm not mistaken, every day was like, here's another type of excuse, right. here's another type of excuse. And so they're Thursday all about excuses. is here I am, right? Okay. And so that was gonna, what I was going to say is another thing is where a lot of times I'll say, you know, talking point number one comes from Sunday and Monday, talking point number two comes from Thursday, talking yes. this week, talking point one, two, and three all come from Sabbath through Friday. So you gotta, it's <laughs> all just, across the lesson. It's all across the lesson. So at least how I put it together. Well, so, what are those talking points? Yeah, so our talking point number one this week is excuses are not reasons. Mm, that's, a, okay. that's a great point. <laughs> number two, excuses are rooted in selfishness. Okay. And finally, number three, mission requires sacrifice but guarantees results. Oh, that's, that's ending on a positive so oh, guarantees course, results. Because you could look at this lesson and be like, oh, there's another excuse, another excuse right. anyway, just get over it. But it's more than just that. Then we'll get there. Yes, we will. 
All right. What do we mean here? Four words. Excuses are not reasons. I thought that's exactly what excuses were, were reasons not to do something. Well, um, reason has to be reasonable. And so, for example, okay. I, in, in other words, um, it's interesting to me that um, what is it, the story of the of the when Jesus gives the parable of the Jewish nation where the invitation went out to the Great Supper. Mm. And he said they all with one accord began to make excuses. Mm. The idea of an excuse is an excuse is not a legitimate reason. Okay. In other words, you give the reason and it's like, uh, hold on a minute. So let's talk about mission, for example. I mean, and I, and I thought maybe I could reword this and, and you kind of push back on it a little bit. In fact, like no legitimate reason can be given for not acting our part in mission. Mm -hmm. Now, I put that down here, and I thought, maybe I should put no legitimate reason can be given by a Christian for not acting part in mission. And, and my, my pushback to that was, because yes. as I understand, you're thinking, well, if you're not under obligation to Christ through a relationship with yeah. him, then you're, then you're off the hook. But the reality is, even if you don't know Christ or love him or have responded to his invitation, he still made you. He That's still right. owns you by copyright you and by creation. With a price. Exactly. And then he paid again to buy you back. That's so right. what you do with it is, that's between you and him. So especially from a Christian perspective, yeah. first of all, I, I call Jesus Lord. And, you know, it's a, it's a colloquialism now, but Lord means master. Yeah. Means he's my boss. Means he does and I do. He mm -hmm. says and I go. That's right. And so, first of all, I call him master. So, what legitimate reason can I give for not following him? Right. Because by my profession, I'm following him. Secondly, he's given me a commission, as with mm -hmm. all the church, the great commission, the gospel commission to spread the gospel of the world, both mm -hmm. publicly and personally. And then finally, he said, all power is given me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore. Like, I've given you everything you need, every resource you need to carry And he out. says, I'll come with you. Uh, exactly. I'll never I'll leave be you. with so, you always. So, like, th there's literally no aspect so of our work. So what legitimate yeah. reason can be given to say, yeah, but see, I can't do it because, I mean, <laughs> everything is kind of stripped away. In fact, that even as I'm thinking about it, I should have included the statement, and I didn't in our handout, where in the book of evangelism, Ellen White says in the, in the life work chapter that when we go out in mission work, that angels of God speak through our voices mm. and work by our hands. Come on now. And she says, when we do this work, we have the benefit, and I'm quoting now, of their education and experience. <laughs> so, you know, and I'm like, and we're going to get into some of the excuses like, well, I don't know enough and I can't be the angels know enough. Yeah. I don't have the skill. I don't have the experience. The angels sure do. Yeah. Like, there's just no... So you've got the Father sending you, the Son, <laughs> you know, promising it, the Holy Spirit with you, the angels experience it. Like, we're almost the least important part of the of the process. We just happen to be the, the conduit through which Christ chooses you. So it's not like our qualification or our right. what we bring to the table is so important. He's just, just obey. Just obey. Yeah, and that will come out as we go on further here. So okay. so we can give reasons for not being involved in mission, mm -hmm. but they're not legitimate. Thus, they're excuses. Okay, that's clear. That's clear. There's that statement in Education, page 126 yes. there, if I'm reading that correctly. It says, every command is a promise. Accepted by the will, received in the soul, it brings with it the life of the infinite. Back to that point. So if he gives you a command, just like the every, every bidding is enabling, you know, that the idea that if he if he tells you to do it, he's also equipping you to do it and giving you success and the guarantee. Mm -hmm. So, 
And and so when you go into the lesson of, of the story of Jonah, mm-hmm. I mean, God knew what Jonah commanded to do. God made every provision. Whatever reason Jonah gave for, yeah, but I can't go because these are uh, hostile people. They're violent and they're not going to listen and they don't deserve the God. Whatever reason he could give, it wasn't legitimate as we see through the story because when he finally did do what God said, God worked all those details out. Exactly right. So that's where we start. Excuses are not reasons. They are excuses. Number okay. two, that leads us to number two. Excuses are rooted in selfishness. Now, now, does that mean some excuses? Or are you saying, like, generically, just across the board, all of... Are there... <laughs> I guess what yes. we just talked about, like, all, <laughs> all excuses are illegitimate. So right. there's not one that's rooted in something else besides selfishness, I guess. Well, there... But I, I still would draw the... This, the distinction there, because I I don't think a lot of times when we make excuses, we're thinking we're being selfish. Mm. A lot of times it's like, like, for example, if I say, I don't know enough, it all, it feels kind of like meek and humble. It's almost not pious. selfish. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's like I would witness. I just yeah. I don't want to do a disservice to God. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. And we touched on that. Yeah. I think it was the last week or the week before where Moses started out and he was like, Lord, send somebody else. And we read that statement from Patriarchs and Prophets where Ellen White said, you know, at first, you know, these excuses came mm-hmm. from Moses' own unsureness of himself. But when the Lord's like, hey, look, who made man's mouth? Have not I the Lord? Mm-hmm. You know, you go and I'll be with you and I'll be with your mouth and I'll teach you what you say. Once the Lord gave the assurance of success, she says any other uh, reason given after that was just, in essence, and this is, these are my words, it was just selfish uh, Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was an excuse. Yeah. And so, in the same way, uh, the lesson highlights throughout the week, as you pointed out, you know, some of the reasons, fear. And um, it touches on the idea of Jonah going to Nineveh, which was a city of the Assyrians, mm-hmm. the city of the Assyrians, who were very hostile. You know, we were talking about how, you know, one of the things that... And you see these in reliefs. I was at the British Royal Muse- Museum, and they showed... You know, the Assyrians, you know, capturing victims and they'd skin them alive and this, that, and the other. Horrific people, yeah. Yeah, so uh, for for pleasure. You know, (laughs) so you can see Jonah being afraid. What we're going to find, at least from my standpoint, uh, reading scripture, is that wasn't his primary concern. But sometimes we're afraid of what could happen to us if I go Mm -hmm. into this such and such area or neighborhood or situation or. And then there were. Uh, false views that affect our witnessing. Like um, one of the things they brought up is maybe the the, the idea that um, we get sometimes that my personal salvation is the important part. My relationship with the Lord, the witnessing part is for those special elite few. Mm-hmm. And um, but anyway, so the lesson kind of brings up these things. In a, inconvenience was one that the lesson brings out on Tuesday. But I distilled them into things I'm more used to hearing people say. So I think they would come out of those categories. But things like I already mentioned, I don't know enough. Mm. I'm not good enough. Like, I'm not really a great Christian. You know, yeah, I wouldn't you want to be a hypocrite life. and disser- dishonored Lord. Yeah, I, I should be a better Christian, but I'm not. So I certainly don't want to be the one going out and right. witnessing. Or I don't know enough. How about that one when people... I think we uh, people assume we're always knocking on the door of a Bible scholar. Right. And they're going to be like, but did you know that in Aramaic? It's like, <laughs> you, you know that's not going to happen. But. Well, you know, <laughs> I've found also, and I tell this when I train people, that a lot of the most 
illiterate, and I don't mean not not being able to read, but from just in in the uh, biblically illiterate, maybe. Yeah, um, people who don't know a lot about the Bible will argue with you like they do. Mm. And I've I've known a lot of Seventh Day Adventists like I don't like the witness. I'm talking to this. They'll go into a Bible study, and this guy's like, or you know, this girl or whoever they're studying with is really laying this stuff out there. Like he said, well, you know, if you read the original languages. And I've heard him tell the stories. I'm like, that's not what the original language says. Yeah. In other words, but they talk with a lot of confidence. So sometimes people who know very little make the loudest noise. It's like that, you know, you're in the woods and you, you, there's a bear, so you've got to stand up real straight <laughs> and big. That's what they tell you to do. And like you're going to... Some people do that when it... So, yeah, sometimes you got that idea that you're going to go into some Bible scholar and the reality is you're not... We're not asked to tell everything. Mm. Right? Well, you remember the blind man? That's one of my favorite. I preached a sermon. <laughs> one thing I know. Yeah. I was blind and now I see. You know? And that was enough to perturb the religious leaders. That <laughs> it so. sure was. Well, uh, also you have down here, I'm not qualified. Yeah. People might think like, well, that's for specialists or I don't have right. enough. I love this. Like, I, I don't have enough experience. So let's go get some more experience. Well, I have enough experience to go get the experience. Like, there's only, you know, exactly. that's an excuse. I don't have time. Like, well, well and so this, like I just pointed out, and I wish I had, again, the reference right in front of me, but it is in the life work chapter of education where Ellen White says, when we, when we witness, we have the benefit of the angel's education and experience. Mm-hmm. So when I say, well, I'm not qualified. Well, guess what? The angels sure are qualified. Right. I don't know enough. Well, guess what? The angels sure know enough. <laughs> like, there's just, sorry, that's They're not going to work. Yeah. Um, I don't have time. And, and maybe one that goes along with that is I'm not worth it. Or it's not It's not worth it. I've yeah. gone in before. The people, I don't really reach anybody. Yeah. Uh, they don't, you know, I find somebody and they come to church once and then they've got all these issues and they won't come back. And then So one would be like, I don't, so I don't have time means I'm too busy. Mm-hmm. But even if someone's saying, even if I had the time, I don't want to waste it doing that right. because what am I going to get out of it? Right. And really, who are we helping? And, you know, I mean, even as we say this. I'm sure some of the viewers are like, who, who would say that's so? Who would say a person's not worth it? But how many times have mm. you sat in a meeting in your church and you're talking about should we do this upcoming public evangelist series? And the church says, "Man, the last time we did that, we spent several thousand dollars. And we just got one all person. we got was yeah. all we got. That one person was worth eternity to Christ. Mm. So anyway, Come don't on now. get me started on that. So well, how anyway. about the one? I don't want to seem weird or preachy. Yeah, you know that's. Clearly, that's a that's a that's a rooted in selfishness one too. But well, in the sense that I don't want to appear, I don't want to seem or come across as, uh, and which I think that's kind of a Jonah thing. That yeah, to me, let's go to Jonah for this one because this is uh, to me this was Jonah's fear. It wasn't what the Ninevites could do to him. I don't, I'm not going to say that didn't have any part in it. Mm-hmm. But if you look at uh, read Jonah three verse ten through chapter four verse three. Okay. Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Chapter 4, verse 1, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? So, like, this was his thinking before he even went on the mission. Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in long suffering, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. So, 
Yeah, there's a couple of things here. Well, first of all, Jonah says, therefore I fled. Like, he gives this the very the reason. reason, like, Lord, this is exactly why I fled, because I knew you're a merciful God, and I'm going to go preach this, and they're not going to listen. And, I mean, what do you deduce from that? To me, it says, I'm going to look bad. That's right. And it's my personal reputation. Maybe it was that he that they are undeserving and I knew you were going to save them and and they don't deserve it because or maybe mean, you could say it's a waste terrible. it's like they were living what? before I came here now they're yes. still living now so what have I even done right <laughs> but regardless um it it seems to me that he was worried about his reputation which mm. goes to that and I think that's a big one I don't want to seem weird or preachy it's as if we have this mindset We've blown this thing out of proportion, so we have this mindset in the church. I, I counter it with people all the time. Seventh Avenue, we feel like we feel like to leave a a glow track on the table in the restaurant when I've paid for my bill is the same as me standing out on a street corner with a placard and a bullhorn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like no, I don't want to be it's one like, of those people. Yeah, <laughs> which. Maybe the Lord will call you to do that, too. You know, the Lord's in charge. But sure. my point is, is, sometimes people, it's just, this is, again, this is an excuse that we make. Right. These are, and when you go and you, you ask yourself, what is at the heart of all these excuses? I, 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 I. Mm. Yeah, right? It, yeah, it's the Lucifer thing. Like, I will exalt. I will, Well, here's, I don't want to. I, I'm not qualified. I don't feel. And the funny thing is, when you do that, I'm not qualified, again, it sounds so humble and meek. But reality is, I'm worried not about God, not about his cause, not about the blood of Christ that was shed for these people. I'm worried about me. My name, my reputation, my That's time, right. my whatever. Yeah. And so one of the things that came to my mind in this, in this context was that too many, and the lesson highlights it a little bit, like I said, it brought out on uh, Monday under false views, it makes the point that... Um, uh, one of the common misunderstandings we have is God's desire for us is to focus on our own salvation and remove ourselves from the wickedness of the world around us. Mm. And in fact, I'd like to go, the lesson doesn't go here, but are you going to Matthew chapter... Uh, I can't. Uh, I was going to go to Mark in a minute here, but... Okay, well, before you do that, let's okay. look at Matthew 16, verse 18. And this is a passage that really hit me because I heard somebody uh, preach on it and it changed my whole view of the passage. I had this backward view, and I've noticed a lot of people do. If you read verse 18 of sure. chapter 16. Uh, Matthew 16, verse 18 says, And I will say to you that you are Peter. I'm sorry. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Okay, so forever I had read this verse like, you know, the gates of Hades, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Mm-hmm. And and my the visual I had is, uh, here we are, the church, and we're protected inside by these gates. Mm. Hell cannot get into us. Mm-hmm. We're safe. Mm. And and it, it took somebody else preaching on this to point out that it's not the church's gates. It's hell's gates. Mm-hmm. We're not afraid of hell barging down the gates and the powers of they're afraid of the church barging down mm-hmm. breaking down the gates yeah. to rescue souls so instead of the church being on the defensive and this is how we often like we're going to be unspotted from the world we don't want that influence in our church and, and right. obviously those things are right to a to a large degree but 
we can get a fortress mentality in the church where we're like, we're safe in our fortress mm-hmm. and we're just going to be in here among those who believe the like way and, and, mm-hmm. and we're going to be holy together and, mm-hmm. and we're not going out with a vision to save the lost. But Jesus' picture, he, he gives the, this, this visual he gives here is the church on the offensive, not the defensive. No, the church has a mission and we're going out and we're going to rescue souls. Well, and you think about the, the, the idea of the, the receiving the word, receiving the, 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 the body of Christ and the, and the water of life, right? Mm-hmm. But they all, like the water analogy, right? You have to be moving for it to stay fresh. Yes. It's like if you were to just take this great mountain spring water and put it in a container and just let it sit there, it's mm-hmm. going to rot, right? It needs to be exercised. It needs to flow. Right. And the, ma- the fortress doesn't work in the church. No. We have to be active. No, that is not the picture we have from the Lord. And so... As we come to talk point number three, mission requires sacrifice but guarantees the results. The lesson draws this out. You know, Jonah, ultimately, God required him to sacrifice something which is not new as Christians. I, I mean, I think of Luke 9.23. you looking yeah, that I'm up? Yeah, I'm looking that up real quick. Go ahead and read that for us. Luke 9.23. Here, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily, and follow me. Now, this is one of those verses, again, that we often miss the, 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 the thrust of. Jesus said, if anyone will come after me, follow me. In other words, do what I did. Step in my steps. Walk in my footsteps. So, in other words, whatever he's asking is what he did. Mm-hmm. Deny himself daily. Take up his cross and follow me. What did Jesus deny himself? He denied himself heaven. Yeah. For what purpose? To seek and save the lost. To seek and save the lost. So, he's saying, if you want to follow in my footsteps... It's, you're going to have to sacrifice something for the salvation of others. Yeah. And the rest of the statement, take up the cross. Where do he take his cross to? To his own death? Yeah. For what? For the salvation of others. So that, that verse is really making that point that a true disciple of Christ, a follower, whoever's going to follow after him, has got to be willing to make a sacrifice mm. for the salvation of others. Mm. So the Christian life is... By nature, a life of sacrifice. Well, it's going, to, it's going to be hard for me to witness. It's going to cost me something. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. So what I have here in our talking point is mission requires sacrifice, but it guarantees results. Now, you had a thought. Oh, I, I'm sure I did. I don't recall it right now, but I was just, I was just thinking about that, that picture of if you're going to claim, I mean, how many people claim Christianity or claim to, like discipleship is a buzzword now? I'm a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. And Jesus himself said, this is what a follower after me looks like. Mm-hmm. And it's going to involve sacrifice. It's going to involve witnessing. You're seeking and saving the lost, just like I did, even to the point of, you know, harm to yourself if, if the Lord requires it. And if you're not willing to do that, then can you really call yourself a Christian? Uh, it, that's, I was ruminating on that idea yes. that the Christian life is a life like Christ's. And by it should be self-evidently clear, if you're going to be a Christian, a Christian, right, that you're going to be like Jesus himself and have a life that emulates that sacrifice. Absolutely. Uh, Tuesday's lesson, paragraph three, says God's mission is carried forward on the shoulders of those who are willing to sacrifice, even if reluctantly. Mm-hmm. Our values must give way to God's priority for the lost. And, uh, and, and so... Um, I made the point that once we have made the surrender to God to obey his will, even reluctantly, yes. God promises to work in and through us for the salvation of souls. Now, we see this in the story of Jonah. Yeah, that's one of the key takeaways of the many we could look mm-hmm. at in Jonah. 
clearly up to the very last bit. He did not want to, even after he was successful, he didn't look back and say, well, I'm glad you really worked through it. He was still like, I knew it. So, <laughs> right. Yet Jesus quotes him as an example of a powerful evangelist who, you know, won the whole ta- won the whole nation, well, basically. you think about it. It's the most idolatrous, violent, you know, yeah. and, it, and it, heathen nation. Yeah. And Jonah goes in. I mean, the, what prophet of God had such great success? Yeah. Jonah goes in and, yeah, like you said, Jesus points to him. The men of Nineveh is going to rise up and condemn this generation because they repented at the preaching, at the preaching of Jonah. Right. And so a couple of things strike out to me. First of all, praise the Lord that the story of Jonah is in there because apparently Lord will use. We always hear the Lord loves a cheerful giver, yeah. but I still think he honors even a reluctant giver. Like It's like That's if right. you do your duty, even if your heart's not in it, but where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Just invest in it, and your the heart will grow. But Jonah is an example of someone who didn't want to do the mission, and the Lord's still blessed. That's right. Praise the Lord, number one. And number two, and maybe this is a thought we're not ready to go with, but just where my head's going, is we talk about, oh, we have to love people. You don't know how much, they, right. you, they don't care how much you know to you, you know how much they care. And, right. You know, the relationship is the prime thing, Right. Well, Jonah Which had no personal relationship with these people, and he honestly <laughs> wanted them to die. <laughs> That's he, right. So, but he, in that detachment, he wasn't so concerned about, like, I hope they still like me. Right. You know, he wasn't obstructed by the potential of that distraction. Like, yes. he, I'm guessing whatever he preached, he preached it straight. He's like, you want to know the truth? Here's what, but right. maybe... That was an advantage to his ministry in the mm-hmm. sense that he was able to just pl- make it plain, as they say. Absolutely. And they accepted it. Yeah. Obviously, the point there not being that we don't need to make friends with people. But to your point, and I've seen this with church members, they're like, yeah, i got to make friends with them first, Pastor. And then, and then, let's say six months down the road, a year down the road, you're like, hey, now's an opportune time. You've made friends with them. Oh, I don't want to jeopardize the friendship now. <laughs> right, because and that's so, the number one thing. Sooner or later, you've got to share the message. Yes. And and sometimes what people will do is, well, we'll evaluate ourselves and say, yeah, I just don't know that I love them as much as I should. You know, I don't know if I'm mm. in. So you go to Jonah. And, and the point isn't that we shouldn't be loving and build friendships. The point is that even if we're rotten to the core and want them dead, <laughs> the Lord can use us to save. That's He's right. the one who does the saving, not us. That's I think exactly that's the right. takeaway. So, um how much more will God be willing and able to use those of us today who are who are willing to be used by him? Right. And, and I think that's an important point because I don't want to give the misconception that, hey, great, just keep hating people. <laughs> right. But if you take, if God's willing to use even that, that's how right. much more, if we did partner with him in genuine Christ-like love, will he make our efforts a success for his yes. glory? There's a great statement in Prophets and Kings that says on page 263, in proportion to the enthusiasm Enthusiasm and perseverance with which the work is carried forward will be the success given. God can work miracles for his people only as they act their part with untiring energy. He calls for men of devotion to his work, men of moral courage with ardent love for souls, and a zeal that never flags. Such workers will find no task too arduous, no prospect too hopeless. They will labor on undaunted until apparent defeat is turned into glorious victory. So, mission requires sacrifice, but there are guaranteed results from the Lord. It's His work, Mm. and we have the privilege to be a part of it.
Amen. Uh, so God forbid if we're not, we've concluded, for the conclusion, I've included the paragraph, the, the second paragraph on Friday's lesson, if you want to read that. Sure. The excuses of those who fail to do this work do not relieve them of the responsibility. And if they choose not to do this work, they neglect the souls for whom Christ died, neglect their God-given responsibility, and are registered in the books of heaven as unfaithful servants. Does the minister work as did the master, to be a strength and a blessing to others when he shuts himself away from those who need his help? Those who neglect personal intercourse or interaction with the people become self-centered and need this very experience of placing themselves in communication with their brethren that they may understand their spiritual condition and know how to feed the flock of God, giving to each his portion of meat in due season. Those who neglect this work make it manifest that they need moral renovation and they will see they have not carried the burden of the work. Mm. God forbid we are neglecting the great work that he has privileged to give to us, which is more a benefit and blessing to us as well. Amen. So we have our challenge and our challenge up. I thought it was kind of interesting. The challenge basically has us make a list of 10 people we know aren't believers to begin praying for them every day of this quarter and pray that we can begin to develop deeper relationships with them that will give us the opportunity to maybe share more spiritually. Mm -hmm. But I thought it was interesting then it said... uh, as we build these relationships, we can identify their needs, hurts, and pains. And the last sentence says, then pray that God will meet them in that area of need. <laughs> and so I scratched that out and I said, then pray that God will use you to help in that area of need. There it is. There it is. Um, so we're talking about, we talk, there's the challenge and then the challenge up. So we're talking about challenging up the challenge and exactly. challenging up plus the challenge Well, I noticed that maybe. a lot of them are pray for this and then pray for this and pray that someone's like, Nothing against prayer, but let's start moving even Thursday's forward. Thursday's lesson yeah. says, here I am, send, send me. me. <laughs> Amen. And what a great way to close this week's lesson with that, that encouraging call to here I am, send mm. me in the response in the heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for, in your infinite wisdom, choosing to employ fallen, frail humanity as your co-laborers in seeking and saving the lost. Help us, Lord, yes, to have the right heart, But even from the duty that you've given us, whatever the reason, take those excuses out of the way and help us to be workers for you wherever we may be. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.